Reading now from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Amen. This is the ninth day of Christmas. If you remember, there are 12 of them. So we still find ourselves in the Christmas season and therefore still appropriate to sing Christmas carols. Actually, according to the church calendar, Christmas, the Christmas season officially ends this Wednesday with a day of Epiphany, a day that celebrates the visit of the wise men to the manger. The carol that we just sang, We Three Kings of Orient Are, was written in 1857 by John Henry Hopkins, Jr., while he was serving as rector of Christ Episcopal Church in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. He wrote both the lyrics and the melody, which actually is a little unusual for most carol composers. They either do the lyrics or the music. It's, uh, it's, like I say, it's unusual to, to do both. The song was originally written for a Christmas pageant in which a different male voice would represent each king and the different gifts that they bring, and then everyone would join in and sing the chorus, Star of Wonder, according to Wikipedia, where I get all my information. <laughs> we Three Kings was the first Christmas carol originating from the United States to achieve widespread global popularity. Now, certainly, the visit of the wise men to the Bethlehem manger is a beautiful part of the Christmas story, and we picture three great and glorious kings resplendent in their royal finery and bowing low before the Christ child, offering him their costly gifts. But actually, and I hope this doesn't ruin it for you, uh, you probably have heard this before, but actually, the wise men were not kings at all, but rather they were teachers and instructors of Persian kings, and they were renowned for their holiness and for their wisdom. It was later legend that made them kings, and still later legend gave them names, Melchior and Caspar and Balthazar. They were even given personal characteristics, so Melchior was supposed to be a very old man with a long gray beard, and, and uh, uh, Caspar was young and uh, rather ruddy, 
And uh, he, he was the one who brought the gift of frankincense. It was Melchior who brought the gift of gold. And uh, Balthazar was dark and had a stubby beard, and it was he who brought the gift of myrrh. So though our scripture story in Matthew 2 doesn't specifically state that there were three wise men, I don't know, maybe there were four or five, I don't know, six, seven. Boy, that would ruin a story, wouldn't it? But the three became traditional because there were three gifts given. So the legends are beautiful, even if it wasn't necessarily how it was so. But in fact, the wise men, the fact that the wise men came from the east is certainly true. And being wise teachers, they also have something to teach us. For one thing, they have something to teach us in their seeking. Because when they saw the, the star shining in the heavens, they didn't send somebody else to look into the matter, but they went to see what it was all about for themselves. It wasn't enough for them just to wonder about the star. They, they sought to understand its meaning for their lives. And so they embarked upon a long journey. And, and the rhythm and the mood of the carol kind of reflects the ponderous journey of these wise men riding on their camels. Imagine riding all that way on the back of a camel, not too comfortable. And at the end of the road, they found Christ. Wise men and women, of course, still seek him. You and I become wise people when we look beyond the lights and the tinsel and the, and, uh, the stars and the angels, and uh, we embark upon our own spiritual search for the meaning of Christmas. Christmas ought to send you and me scurrying to find out what this child means for us and for our lives. We, so we eagerly search the scriptures, and we pursue God's will for our lives. We come together to do that. And scripture promises that uh, as we seek, we shall find. When you search for me, you will find me, says the Lord, if you seek me with all your heart. So the one condition to our seeking or to our finding is to seek him with all our heart, not half-heartedly or sporadically or apathetically. A student of the philosopher Socrates once asked him how he could acquire knowledge, and Socrates responded by taking the student down to the river, and they entered the river together, and then all of a sudden Socrates took a student and, and submerged him into the water and just kind of held him down. And the student fought a little bit, fought a little bit. He wanted to come up, but no, he held him down a little bit more, Socrates did. Till finally the, the student broke away, and he was gasping. And Socrates asked him, when you thought you were drowning, what one thing did you want most of all? <laughs> the student said, well, of course, air. And Socrates then said, when you want knowledge as much as you wanted air, then you will get it. The same is true of our search for the meaning in Jesus Christ and our knowledge about him. Because when you and I want him and his truth in the same way that that student wanted air, then we shall find, we shall find it. Wise men and women still seek him with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. They do so because their lives depend upon it. But you and I can learn from the wise men not only in their seeking, but in their gift giving. 
It's interesting that the particular gifts that the Christ child, uh, that were given the Christ child, shed some important light on the nature of Jesus Christ and the work that he had come to do. The carol actually helpfully illuminates the meaning of his person and his work. They brought him gold, a gift fit for a king. Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring him to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. Jesus was born to be king. Not an earthly king, mind you, not a king that would rule over a geographical or political uh, area, but Jesus came to rule over people's hearts. And he was to rule not from a throne, but rather from a cradle, and then later from a cross. And he rules not by force, but by love. The gift of gold points to the fact that the Christ in the manger is to be king over our lives, the one to whom we owe our ultimate allegiance and devotion. It isn't enough just to simply give Jesus nodding, sentimental acknowledgement at Christmas time, but he is to be in a position of authority over our lives day in and day out. The government shall be upon his shoulders, says the prophet, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. And so the question is, do you and I recognize his government? Is he really Lord and King over our lives? In practice, as well as in theory. Gold is a gift fit for a king. And then they brought him the gift of frankincense, a gift for a priest. Frankincense to offer have I, incense owns a deity nigh. Prayer and praising, voices raising, worshiping God on high. Frankincense, as I as Achilles think was Frankenstein, no. Frankincense is a sweet perfume or incense used by priests in the temple worship and in sacrifices. The role of the priest was to act as a mediator between God and the people. In fact, the word priest literally means bridge builder. In his work and person, in Jesus' work and person, he bridges the gap between God and people bringing the two closer together. He brings them nigh. The gift of frankincense points to the fact that the Christ of the Bethlehem manger is also our high priest who has put us in touch with the living God. That in Christ, God has built a bridge bringing, reconciling people to himself. Through Christ, we have access to to God, and we experience him in a new, living, vital way. Through Christ, we can come near to God and know that God hears us and cares about us. The gift of frankincense is a gift for a priest, a bridge builder between God and humanity. And the wise men brought the gift of myrrh, the gift of one who is to die. Myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume, breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in the stone-cold tomb. 
Myrrh was used to embalm the bodies of the dead. Early on the morning of the third day of the crucifixion, the women came to the tomb, bringing this particular spice to anoint Jesus' body. Jesus came into the world to die. He was born to die. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance, says the scripture, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and he accomplished that mission by dying on the cross. The gift of myrrh points to the fact that the Christ of the cradle is also the Christ of the cross, who died that he might save you and me, so that through his death we are granted forgiveness, reconciliation with God, and new life. I think of the English scientist uh, Isaac Newton, who was a fine Christian. It was Newton who said on his deathbed, I have learned two great facts. One is that I am a great sinner. The other is that Jesus Christ is an even greater Savior. So when you and I actively, wholeheartedly search for Christ, for Jesus Christ and for the meaning and for the truth that is in him, we discover that Christ came into the world as a king to rule over us, We discover him to be our high priest who has built a bridge between us and God. We know him to be our savior who through his death saved us from our sins. But Christ doesn't fully become our king, our priest, our savior until we give him a fourth gift, a gift that matters most. It's a gift that the wise men also gave the Christ child. They gave him the gift of their hearts. And when they saw the Christ child, says Matthew, they bowed down and worshipped him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, all nice gifts. But the Lord wants you and me most of all the gift of ourselves. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what I can, I give him. Give my heart. O star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect life. Amen.